With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What time is it? We will throw out all kinds of sports topics. The moment Delonte West banged LeBron's mom, LeBron had every right to do whatever he wanted to do. Yeah, that's horrible. Political views. If we get rid of abortion in the United States, what happens when Bethlehem Roethlisberger is uh, holding <laughs> down some chick and gets her pregnant? She can't get rid of the baby. <laughs> Is that your best? Just random rants and stuff. Are you supposed to record podcasts over? I'm your huckleberry. I do drugs all my life. My life will be shorter. Oh, Peyton Manning breaks his fucking arm. <laughs> well, welcome everybody to what we're going to call Thirsty Thursday. <laughs> we are uh, we are a two-man show tonight. The... Uh, the heartbeat of the show, uh, Mr. Chaos, has had some stuff come up. So tonight you've got uh, myself and uh, the governor. They're going to be on tonight. How's it going tonight, Greg? Everything's great, man. Uh, excited to have a two-man show. This will be different. Yeah, it's absolutely going to be different. So what we the reason why we got on as a two-man show is we didn't want to completely cancel a show. Uh, so the governor and I are going to get on, and uh, we've got a couple topics we want to hit on. So we may have a 20-minute show, and uh, it may be a two-hour show. So the good thing is, is you got two guys on here that uh, we can get straight and to the point, or uh, one of us may go on a little bit of a tangent, and this may run a little longer. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, first, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping here. Gov, you want to cover the Twitter handles? Absolutely. So uh Actually, before we get going, anybody wants to call on the show, we'll still take your calls, even though it's just uh, Snowflake and myself. Uh, so please call 646-378-0793. And if you want to send Chaos some love and tell him uh, how much you miss him on the show tonight, uh, you can tweet him at FNChaos. Uh, Hollywood's also missing, uh, missing in action. He didn't get, really give a reason. So uh, tell him how lame he is for not being on the show, and maybe he'll call in uh, uh, to let us know at SOW Hollywood. If you want to show some love for Snowflake's upcoming wedding, uh, tweet him at Kendall Scott. Uh, And you can always uh, share your travel thoughts of Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, uh, as I get to listen to Sports Talk Radio and Highway Country on Sirius XM all the time. You can tweet me at Governor underscore Bain. Uh, If you just want to do a general show one, uh, at sportsletterrway.com. Our uh, letters <laughs> at Sports Our Way blog is our Twitter handle, and obviously you can also uh, catch us on our website at sportsourway.com. Awesome. So uh, pretty good stuff tonight. Um, we had a little bit of a lull, in my opinion, from a sports perspective, uh, Governor, because, you know, we started preseason football, which a lot of people don't – I mean, it, you get excited because it means football's NFL football's around the corner. Uh, you've pretty much got, like, what, women's basketball and baseball uh, to choose from from a sports perspective. I got a, I got an email from Purdue uh, Athletic Association today about women's volleyball. Don't forget that one. So women's volleyball starts. But uh, tonight, I believe, we've got some college football games, um, which is pretty awesome because we've got some, some real manly sports stuff starting up today. So one of the things we want to talk about is college football betting. And, you know, is there, I guess, an art or what approach do you take when, you, when you're looking at games and picking teams? So, um, Greg, I'm sure you've got an opinion on this. You, uh, you've bet for and gambled for a hell of a lot longer than I have. I started gambling because of you and chaos, so I have you guys to thank for that uh, addiction that I have now. So uh, what's your take on college football? Well, you know, first, first and foremost, a lot has changed in college football in terms of how schedules are made. Uh, in week one and week two, you'll still see a lot of these lines. Uh, the lines I stay away from is when it starts approaching the high 30s and low 40s. Uh, but anything below 34, uh, it's, it's all game. just need to do a little bit of research on the teams, how many players they have coming back this year versus last, and, and making sure the offensive line, that they're not bringing back uh, one member of their offensive line 
to protect their young uh, quarterback who's under 22 or under. Uh, so those are some features you have to be able to dig into before you go bet uh, a major line. Uh, and then secondary to that is week one is fun week of, of betting. Uh, if you're one of those individuals who just says, hey, I want to bet 20 games uh, just to have some action, uh, just do it lightly in week one. That way you get a little bit of data so you can really uh, start ramping up uh, after week two. Then when it comes into your favorites, so the cautious thing on favorites uh, in, in week one and week two, uh, and I'm talking about if you're a fan of like Ohio State football, the one thing you absolutely have to be cautious with with, with betting them is understanding trends when they play a particular teams. Uh, such as, hey, I want to get, you know, my second string in there and get them some action in the second half uh, just to ensure that the work is there just in case we have an injury because college football has injuries and a lot of, a lot of subs uh, occur from that. Uh, and then secondary, secondary to that, right now we're going through a major heat wave. Uh, so uh, the weather does have a factor and nobody wants their uh, star players on their, on their team while they're playing a scrub team from, you know, I don't know, FAU or, uh, you know, Buffalo, which sounds like a good pro team, uh, which they're not. Uh, but the facts are, is they're not gonna they're not gonna give up their whole season or a potential uh, run for the BCS is where the money is made uh, over a week one or week two game. Uh, so just you know, show some restraint, I guess, when it comes down to it. Yeah. So for me, like I pull up, you know, what is it this weekend? Saturday spreads, and I guess the course of the next few days spreads, and like there's 40 games. Yep. So th- I mean, this is where I get caught up in, in college football gambling. And generally this is the time of the year when I lose a lot of money because uh, I love betting football and uh, you know, college starts before pro. So I'm the degenerate gambler that just wants to bet on football. So I jump right into college football and the things that scare the hell out of me. And the reasons why I lose so much money is there's so many games. The spreads are so crazy. Like you get a school like Oklahoma that's playing, fucking IUPUI, and it's a 60-point spread. And you start looking at it, and you're like, God, there's there's no way they're going to get outscored by 60 fucking points. Like, there's no way. I know it's IUPUI, but there's no way that they're going to get outscored by 60. So I'm the fucking guy that takes the 60 points because I'm thinking that, and then Oklahoma wins by fucking 72. Happens every time. Um, you know, you start looking – you know, I, I try to switch it up. I start losing my ass on these big spread games, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to bet the over-under lines. And then you get lines like 71s, the over-under, <laughs> and 85. And you're like, there's no way they're going to score this many points. And then you end up taking it in the ass again. Like, college football is probably one of the most frustrating sports for me to put money on. Because of the things, you know, some of the things you talked about, you end up with Oklahoma versus IUPUI, and the star players don't play for Oklahoma because they don't want to risk injury when they're a bowl contending team. Um, it, it's just, it's maddening. College football gambling is so fucking maddening to me. So what I normally do is I ask on our text thread who Hollywood's betting on, and I bet the opposite direction. And since I've switched to that philosophy, I've actually started making some money in college football. That is phenomenal. That's, and that's, that's a good strategy. It worked for me uh, in, in football and basketball last year, so maybe I'll follow that suit as well. You know what, uh, Scott, the one thing I really love about college football, and it's different from pro football when it comes to betting, is I just structure my bets because uh, games start at uh, 11 a.m., so I bulk, I, I pick, you know, two or three teams in each tier throughout the day. So if I blow up either a parlay or a big bet early in the day, I still have a chance to make it up because I play all the way till 11 o'clock at night, uh, your your own time, uh, if you're on the East or Central time zone. And you always at least break even on it, and you had action all day. So you're you're paying attention to the score. You're, you're getting excited watching the games, uh, even if it's not a team from your region. Uh, that's what's cool about college football, uh, and that's – same thing about college basketball Saturdays. You can do the same thing with. Uh, but when you were talking about big lines, one one sticks out to me, not only because I live in the state, uh, but I saw Wisconsin Badgers are favored by 44 and a half. 
And that's a really scary line. First and foremost, brand new coach uh, at that Big Ten school. Uh, they're not playing a good team. But we all know Wisconsin's not known for scoring a ton of points, period. Uh, and then on top of that, it is 90 degrees in Wisconsin, which is definitely inclement. Uh, you don't think that you'd ever see 90 degrees here. Like negative five would be okay. Uh, so nobody's prepared for this game. I know the Iowa game is another one where uh, the University of Iowa sent out a message uh, on Wednesday stating uh, elderly and people with illness do not come to the game because uh, they're, 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 they're expecting them to pass out or have an issue at the stadium uh, because of how warm it's going to be. Uh, so the Wisconsin, lay, uh, Wisconsin game, stay away from the line. Even if you think uh, they're playing a scrub, uh, them beating a team by 45 points under any circumstance is uh, rare to happen. See, the other problem I have with betting college football, too, is I'm a huge, huge NFL football fan. Like, I can turn on any NFL football game and watch it. And I can't do that with college football because there's a lot of games that I tune into, and it's like I compare it to watching a WNBA basketball game. <laughs> it seems like it's it's so much slower pace. It's so much sloppier. And I, there's so much that I just can't get into when it comes to college football. There's some outstanding players uh, to watch in college football. There's a lot of juniors and seniors that are a hell of a lot of fun to watch, and I'll watch some of those games. But, you know, you tune into some of these schools that have freshmen and, and sophomores starting. I mean, these kids are, what, freaking 18 years old, you know, that are out there playing with some of these guys that are seniors that are fucking grown men at this point. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's tough to watch. Um, is, is there any lines – you said don't bet on the Wisconsin game. Is there any lines that you've seen so far that you feel really, really good about for people like me that love to gamble but don't follow college football as closely? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start with tonight's game. There's a, there's a game in Hawaii tonight. USC is playing Hawaii. Uh, and the, I like the over-under on it. So the over is 52 points. I would say lay that all day long. Hawaii loves to score a lot of points. They, they, they run this crazy spread offense. Uh, you know, I don't think USC is going to get tripped up by it. I think USC is going to outscore them, but I think it's going to be somewhat of a track meet tonight. Uh, so that's a solid one to, to bet tonight. Uh, and I like to spread it out over the weekend when, in week one. I don't like to just uh, lay my whole bankroll down uh, each day. Uh, so tomorrow night, same thing, another over-under line, 44-and-a-half, Michigan State playing Western Michigan. And one thing about the Michigan uh, teams is they're not like Ohio. Uh, Ohio State plays an in-state rival uh, or an in-state school. Uh, they take it easy on them, uh, and that's been tradition. Uh, they still beat them, but they don't beat them by 30 and 40 and 50 points uh, like they could. Uh, but Michigan and Michigan State, when they play Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, uh, they like to uh, you know flex their muscles. Uh, and Michigan State can easily put up 45 points on their own. Uh, so uh, take the over at 44-and-a-half tomorrow night. On Saturday, uh, another total line. Uh, Penn State is playing Syracuse. Uh, and one thing we have to understand is Penn State uh, held their average offense last year to 19-and-a-half points. So they're playing Syracuse, a team that can score points, uh, but the over-under lines at 51-and-a-half, I see that in the, uh, in the low 40s as a game. Um, because it is early, the heat's hitting the East Coast as well. Uh, so play to the under of the Penn State-Syracuse game. Uh, and then let's get to some, like, line lines. Uh, Saturday in Iowa, minus three against Northern Illinois University, uh, who's kicked out. You know, we actually had uh, one of our interviews earlier this year uh, with a former Northern Illinois University player. Um, and it, the, NIU tends to play tight. Iowa's supposed to be a really, really tough team this year. Uh, so I'm taking Iowa at home minus three, and in college a minus three spread it means you're the underdog. Uh, and I I don't think uh, with the with the fan and how how loud that stadium gets uh, on opening week of football that I was going to lose that game. Uh, and then Sunday, so we actually get a Sunday game uh, like it's the NFL, uh, and we've actually got a Heisman candidate quarterback uh, who is only favored by 20 and a half points, uh, and I think Louisville will. Uh, make that a they'll, they'll double that spread so go ahead and uh, go big on Sunday and pretend it's NFL 
So uh, so we're taking Louisville minus 20.5, Iowa minus 3. We're taking Penn State in the under. That's Mich- correct. Michigan State in the under. No, Michigan State in the over. Okay, and Hawaii in the over. That's correct. That is correct. All right. So here's a line to stay away from real quick. Texas A&M. They're favored by 27. Uh, the over-under in that game is 64. Uh, and the reason why I say to stay away from it, I know they're playing Rice, uh, but the fact is, as we all know, the, the joke of news earlier this week, Johnny Manziel will not be playing the first half. Uh, and he is a, when you look at cyber uh, the, the cyber metrics of it all, he is a seven-point play when he's not playing. Uh, so, uh, so might as well take three-and-a-half points off that line and don't expect them to cover 27 points. Uh, and basically what they're going to have to do is cover that 27 points in the second half because if Johnny Manziel is not on the field, that team does not score. Uh, because of his 1,400 rush yards last year, 900 of it came in scrambles when he was being rushed. So uh, I guess sticking uh, sticking with Johnny football here, so earlier this week the NCAA and uh, A&M came out and uh, – made a joint statement that, like you had stated, he is being suspended for the first half of the game against Rice. And he's being suspended for, yeah. And he he violated an NCAA bylaw. And what the rule states, and I'm going to ask you for your opinion on this in a second, uh, Gov. So the rule says that student athletes cannot permit permit their names or likeness to be used for commercial purposes including to advertise, recommend, or promote sales of commercial products or accept payment for their use uh, for the use of their names or likeness. So the investigation deemed that he did not accept payment for the use of his name or likeness, but because of the amount of autographs that he signed, that's why he broke this NCAA bylaw. So your feeling, does the – penalty support the crime for a half of a half a game suspension or is this one of those kind of bullshit NCA rules where the kids sit down sign a bunch of autographs and I'm not sure what the autographs were being used for um, and it's kind of a ridiculous penalty well I agree that the penalty is ridiculous and it's for a totally different reason but here's what I think NCAA was trying to save face uh, because they had this investigation going on uh, it was all over the four-letter network and every other piece of news that there that existed uh, ar- around college sports at this point in time. Uh, so they're they were trying to say, hey, let's get something out of it. But that something they got was a bigger joke uh, and and became the punchline in the end. Uh, when you think about uh, Terrell Pryor and the Ohio State crew that was selling jerseys that they wore on the field uh, for some cash for their pocket, uh, that prevented Ohio State last year from going to the BCS championship because Ohio State was undefeated uh, last year and they would have been in that game. Uh, their schedule didn't change. Uh, so Ohio State had a has a, a bowl ban that was in place. And then you've got USC uh, because of a parent. Reggie Bush's parents took some favors while he was there. After he left college, that was, that was, that was found out. And the university loses 30 scholarships and uh, layers in uh, the additional, uh, you know, bowl, uh, not bowl game suspension, but, uh, you know, just the the sanctions on the university are totally outweighed. So I think Johnny Manziel kind of got off like Miami Hurricanes did with zero penalty because a a half a game uh, just allows him to sit on the sidelines and uh, catch the tone and, He's going to sit over there and chuckle because for those 4,000 autographs he signed, you know he got laced up with some cash in his pocket. So I guess what I would be, I mean, if I could talk to the committee that levied down this penalty, I would want to know, like, what is the baseline for too many autographs? So it says to promote sales of commercial products. So if I am someone that goes to every – uh, every game and every game throughout the course of the season, I'm lucky enough to get him to sign a football or a helmet or a Jersey for me. And I run my own eBay site. 
And the sole purpose of me having him sign these things is so that I can turn around and I can sell them online for a profit for myself. Is that something that an NCAA player can get in trouble for? Oh, absolutely. Because you can't, you also can't sell your likeness, which is the most ridiculous part of it. Because the NCAA can. The university has signing sessions that they, they, they put, they set their players down for. Uh, and it's supposed to be individual basis, not, not uh, traders or collectors uh, coming and bringing product. So you do have that in play, uh, and you're not allowed to do it. You're not allowed to collect money for anything. But it's funny, it's a bylaw, not a rule. Uh, so it's like one of those under-the-table things. I remember in college, you know, we all, every, all the student-athletes were brought into an auditorium, and we had to, like, listen to this whole, I, I called it propaganda, things we could and couldn't do, uh, you know, and signing and likeness things weren't covered. Uh, so uh, I get why. You know, he gets to play the stupid card, but the fact is, is uh, you know, there's no proof that he did it, that he got paid, but he's sitting in a hotel room in Bristol, Connecticut, signing that many autographs. He knew that his likeness was going to be sold, and he knew if, if I'm asked to do that and know somebody's going to make money off me, I'm going to want to cut. So, hey, by the way, we got a caller from the 310. I'm going to pull him in. I imagine that's Callie Nick. All right, awesome. You're hey, on there. Hey, guys, what's up? Hey, what's going on, brother? Just chilling, enjoying the show. Uh, I want to touch base. I want to touch base on the man Zeal, Johnny Football, getting suspended for half a half a game. This is a joke. Uh, You can get suspended for signing too many autographs. I think you mentioned it about a minute ago. How many is too many? Is it 100, 500? NCAA haven't really told us shit. This is just a dog and pony show. Slap on the wrist for Manziel. Uh, NCA once again, they decide selective on who they want to punish and who they don't want to punish. That's my two cents on that. Question for you guys is, who do you think will win the NFL MVP and belligerent? Uh, since you're a Steelers fan, who do you think will end up being the Pittsburgh Steelers starting running back this year? And keep in mind you're helping them with this fantasy team when you answer that. So I'll answer the Steelers' question first. I think it's going to end up being Jonathan Dwyer. Uh, He had some signs of, I'm not even going to call it greatness, but stability last year. Uh, He's had a great preseason. The kids dropped like 20 pounds. Um, I think he's going to end up being the starting running back. I I don't know if it will be in week one because uh, uh, Redmond is listed as the starting running back, and he hasn't played – he played two downs in the first preseason game and hasn't played a single snap since then. Um, it, it's going to come down to Dwyer uh, Howlings, and I see Dwyer getting the starting position. Now, whether he holds it throughout the course of the year, you know, I don't know. I think Pittsburgh would much rather go to a single running back uh, instead of the running back by committee because last year it was pretty much proven that they can't be successful with the running back by committee strategy. So if I was picking in a fantasy draft uh, and I had to pick the Steelers starter in week two and who's going to play the bulk of the games, I would put my money on Jonathan Dwyer if it were me. Uh, as right, far cool. as, you know, Yeah, and as far as your comment about, you know, this, this suspension being a joke, dude, I'll tell you what it comes down to. And we've talked about, we talked about this on a previous show. When you look at, player penalties and the bylaws and rules for NCAA athletes, every one of them comes down to the the same core philosophy, and that's don't make money for yourself or generate money for somebody else unless we're getting a cut of it. That's what everything comes down to and what it's all about, is the NCAA doesn't want any of these players going out and making money on their own or creating a cash flow for somebody else that's not involved in the NCAA and that's what that's what it's about. That's that's the complete centerpiece of this entire problem with the NCAA. Okay, so it hey, seems uh, like they're do, using the same model as the DEA. Don't sell drugs unless we get our cut. That's absolutely <laughs> it, brother. Absolutely it. Oh, that's that's awesome. Hey, on your uh, NFL MVP, uh, it comes down to two people. Uh, it'll be either Drew Brees if he blows up and throws for over 5,000 yards and 40-plus uh, touchdowns as partially projected, 
but the only way he'll potentially lose that is if Adrian Peterson runs for 2,500 yards, he told that told everybody that he plans to do this year. Because then he'll blow out that record by 400 plus yards. I, dude, I think if, if Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning's another one that you got to keep an eye on. Uh, if he has a big season this year, you're going to have Peyton Manning that's going to contend for the season MVP. And uh, I think if Chaos was here too, based on a previous show, he'd have a very solid argument for Carson Palmer in Arizona being a. Uh, <laughs> A candidate for the uh, MVP award as well. Yeah, I completely forgot to ask this question a couple episodes ago, but I think Blidgeron, you were not there. Greg, I don't know if you were. Um, I think if Tom Brady has a phenomenal year, voters will give it to him because of all the turmoil that franchise has gone through with Aaron Hernandez and his angel dust incident and just all his <laughs> weapons being replaced. Uh, and I will... Thank you for the input on the Steelers running back. I don't intend on drafting any of those guys unless it's my ninth or tenth round pick. Uh, and I plan on owning Cook in fantasy this year. I think you took Gore way about a round or two too early. That's my input yeah, on that. Yeah, if, if it was me, bro, I would stay away from Steeler running backs altogether. If you want to pick a running back that's going to help you around fantasy football playoff time from that same division, I'd be looking at Giovanni Bernard at some point. Easy. Uh, he's going to go way too early in our league, I believe. Yeah, he's definitely going to go early. All right, brother. Thanks for calling in, man. Always a pleasure to talk to you. All right. Much love, fellas. Take care. All right. That was a good call from Nicky Callie. Always a uh... – Sports fanatic asking the great questions. Uh, hey, one more thing on the Johnny Manziel thing, uh, and you were going down that road. So the conversation continues on should they get, you know, where's the entrance for where they can start making money on their own? Uh, because the facts are it's only the star players that have that capability. Do you think the fear of allowing players to make money on their own and off their own likeness in the NCAA comes down to, like, phantom uh, boosters coming in and giving them extra dough and potentially giving universities unfavorable edge to get particular players there? Yeah, I think so because, you know, I think what it is is it's fear of the NCAA and the amount of money they would lose if players could go out and somewhat cut their own deals. So you think about what's going on right now with EA Sports and their college football game series. So EA Sports has halted – making this game there there's not going to be an ncaa football next season i believe um so if you think about it, if somebody comes in like 2k sports and they're able to sign individual college football players to contracts to make a game where they can use their likeness that game would sell more copies because you're able to play with Johnny Manziel wearing a white jersey with maroon lettering and his name on the back than an EA Sports game with somebody in, you know, uh, Oklahoma jersey, but no name and no number on it at all. So I think that's the fear is if they allow players to go out and cut their own deals, it's going to cut into their pocketbook. And that's something they can't allow to happen because, you know, they need to make money. <laughs> Yeah, and I agree. I mean, the but the NCAA is making money hand over fist. So, and I, and I'm still anti paying players uh, because I look at the whole global scope. That yes, these are these are revenue generating sports, but the other sports only survive off of the revenue generating sports. Uh, so it keeps you know diving and swimming and tennis and soccer, uh, track and all those other sports girls volleyball, girls basketball that don't generate enough revenue to pay for the, the flights and airfare. Uh, so that's why I'm anti them getting those pieces. Plus, you know, the universities do lace this back into phenomenal facilities, not only for their training, but also for the fans to come into. Uh, you know, some of the best stadiums I've been in are college stadiums, uh, not necessarily just pro stadiums. Uh, you, you definitely get a, an awesome environment and world-class facilities because we're not paying players and we're not getting, we're not walking down that slippery slope where people have put a value on uh, a Heisen player, you know, because would Johnny Manziel got a raise this year would be the question. Uh, and that's where you start going when you talk about paying players uh, outside of their scholarship. 
Oh, for me, I, dude, I, I truly think that they should be given some sort of allowance. And and here's here's the reason why. So what I think about is I think about the like poor ass kid that grew up in the shittiest of neighborhoods that is a gifted athlete at this particular sport. I get it. He's given a college scholarship. He gets to go to school for free. He's probably getting a fucking general studies degree. He's getting to go to college for free, though. He's never going to use his general studies degree. He's going to end up being a forklift driver at fucking Lowe's in the lumberyard if he doesn't do something from an athletic standpoint. The kid is going out. He's playing every Saturday for this college. He is creating shit tons of revenue, selling shit tons of tickets for this college, and the motherfucker can't even buy a cheeseburger for dinner. He's eating ramen noodles because he doesn't have any fucking money. Like, I think that's the part that when you think of that story, it's really, really, like, fucked up how it all works. And I get it. There's, you know, probably, and I'm, I'm going to say Matt Barkley. He just strikes me as somebody that looks like he came from a family with money. Uh, he went to USC. He he could probably afford a cheeseburger on a Friday night, you know. Uh, there's some of these other kids that are playing that are that are generating a lot of income for these colleges uh, that can't, man. You know, they're 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 going back to their apartments or their dorm rooms, and you know they're eating leftovers from fucking two nights ago, or, or getting food from the kid that lives next door because they can't afford to pay for their own shit, and that's the fucked up part about all this. Well, there's two things that go into, all right, more than two things, but two things that hit me right away. First and foremost, you start paying players. It's going to be a flat-scale system, uh, and then your your Louisiana Tech, your, uh, we'll just call, we'll just go Ball State. These pro, uh, 1A schools are going to uh, just have to drop football because they're not going to be able to afford it because they're not generating enough income. And second to that is on your big universities, on your big campuses, uh, I can tell you, I don't know too many football players that weren't walking around with a hundred dollar bill in their pocket. Uh, so there is some sort of allowance going on, and that's whether they're leveraging their expense account because there is you are given expenses uh, for your travel, and I got that same privilege uh, when I ran. Uh, they give you they give you cash on the front side for the trip, and that's where you're supposed to buy your meals and do some other stuff. But a lot of those meals are still catered in. You still have the cash in your pocket. Uh, you know, uh, I always leverage mine. I didn't, you know, I'd go get, I'd, I'd take some pasta with me and uh, eat that and get some carbs in. And hell, I, and after the race, I would go uh, find the local watering hole and enjoy. Uh, and that's what I see most football players doing as well. So I don't think it's a lack of money in their pocket. Uh, and then the the next level piece is. And it's debatable, uh, but I don't know too many guys that go get their go finish their degree in, uh, in school, no matter what it is. It could be uh, a philosophy major, for all I, for all I know, uh, that they leverage that they were a Division One pro uh, or Division I say pro Division One athlete in football, and they typically get a decent job as long as they finish their degree. It's the guys that choose not to leverage their education and are just there for football, praying that they're part of the 3.4% that make it to the uh, to the big show in the NFL, uh, that uh, when they fail and also drop out of school, like your Vinnie Sutherland's at Purdue, uh, they're the ones you have to worry about be, being uh, curbside or in jail or driving that forklift at Lowe's. Yeah, and if we've got college football players walk around with $100 bills in their pocket, like <clears throat> if you've got the – the quarterback from Purdue that can go to where else and buy a round of drinks that grew up in a real shitty neighborhood, then the NCAA should just come out and say, hey, stop all the talk about this. These guys are taken care of. Because now, like, and, and I hate to reference the Aaron, Aaron Hernandez situation because there's been so much talk about it, but you've got everybody talking about the Johnny Manziel situation and him getting suspended for a half for signing – whatever the fuck too many autographs is. And now we're finding out that there's the potential that Urban Meyer, when Hernandez was at Florida, covered up failed drug tests and potentially two violent incidents. One of them was an assault, and one of them was a drive-by shooting. (laughs) 
like, and we're worried about Johnny Manziel signing too many fucking autographs. Like, this is like full-blown mob-style shit, like, going on down here. And this guy is now coaching in Ohio State. Like, what? where's the NCAA investigation into this? Where's the penalty for this? Like, this doesn't make sense. That every you go and you Google, you know, NCAA football, and the first shit that comes up is Johnny Manziel and these stupid fucking autographs. And you've got Urban Meyer walking around at Ohio State that covered up a drive-by shooting and failed drug test for a guy that's now incarcerated in prison and is probably going to be convicted of murder. So is uh, Urban Meyer an accessory to murder since he uh, covered it up and prevented the uh, next one from, you know, because the fact is that, you know, if he covered up a drive-by shooting, what's his his name would already be in jail probably. Yeah, like that's what – like, that's exactly what I mean, dude. Like, but instead, you know, ESPN's reporting that Johnny Manziel signed too many pieces of fucking paper or too many fucking footballs. You know, it, it, it's stupid. It doesn't make sense. Um, you want to move on to the NFL and their problem with protecting offensive players? Yeah, I think we can move on to that because there's a little bit that can be said, too, about the uh, uh, lawsuit settlement that is yeah. pending right now. So. Yeah, I mean, what's your thoughts, dude? Are we uh, are we going overboard at this point with the uh, protection of offensive players with a lot of the rule changes? Or, I mean, is this something that's truly good for the game? And, and when I say the game, I mean the game and not us as fans because it's obviously not a fucking good thing for us as fans. Right, yeah, it's, it's horrible for us as fans. And we saw it start trickling in about five years ago when they, like, basically made quarterbacks untouchable. Uh, you know, you'd have to sack them and almost hold them in a perfect spot. There was like a sweet zone you can hit them in, otherwise they wouldn't die, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, so I think we've, we're definitely getting too far uh, in terms of the protection pieces because I think it comes down to common sense. And if it's, uh, you know, we talk about player safety, but just throw the flag if it's something that's outside the realm uh, versus saying, you know, the running back's, can't follow their natural flow of their body by, you know, by, you know, or protecting themselves by ducking a little bit, you know, and then the defensive players also knew that was happening. So now they're going super low and, and they're blowing out knees uh, of the offensive players. And so that's the next rule we're going to see is you can't hit too low either. Uh, we're also going to start seeing the, uh, I think we're going to see the chop block go away uh, from the offensive line trying to pr- uh, prevent the defensive guys uh, getting at the quarterback, and they do a lot of chop and roll. Uh, so, you know, so we're, we're going to start seeing some things go away. It is player safety, but most players know that's part of the game. Uh, and you can see, you know, from the chop block perspective uh, or the roll, I don't know what you call it, barrel roll. I see them do it all the time, and it, it pisses me off because I know they're just not fast enough to keep up the, up the defensive guys. That's the only thing to do is try to take his legs out from underneath him. Uh, but you're putting them at risk, but the defensive guys also adapt to that, uh, and they know that that's part of the game. Uh, and if they get hurt, uh, they're paid a lot of money to get hurt. Uh, they also have insurance that protects them uh, and gets them great medical coverage because I can tell you, uh, you know, when Hollywood blew out his knee playing basketball of chaos, he didn't have the world's best knee surgeon uh, repair it for him, you know, but these NFL players absolutely do. They get the best of the best uh, to repair, to repair them. And that's why you see players like RG three and AP come back uh, in less than the allotted time uh, because they have the best physical therapist and they also have the best surgeon. Uh, yeah. They've, they're definitely gone overboard with the uh, protection, but I think the lawsuit and uh, the pending lawsuit probably led towards it. Yeah, well, Hollywood got hurt because that motherfucker can't play basketball to save his life. Save his life, dude. He, he's a swimmer, a runner, and a cyclist. I don't know what the fuck he was doing on the basketball court, but yeah, this stuff with with the NFL. So, and I know I know you're not a huge racing fan, but I, I guess the kind of the comparison that I draw is like think about NASCAR, think about Formula One or Kart, whichever one you want to. What if they came out and said, "We'll use NASCAR." Hey, guys, so we're concerned about concussions and people getting injured. So you're not allowed to bump into each other on the track. We need to, we need to make sure you guys keep three feet between each car. There's going to be a 75-mile-an-hour speed limit at every track that we run at. Like, this is a, like, how many people would watch racing at that point? 
Well, so NASCAR had a similar issue, right? So they were they were having drivers die. So what did NASCAR do? They upgraded the safety equipment. And they didn't say, we don't want to take the fun out of NASCAR. Uh, rubbing is racing, I believe is the terminology. Uh, and we want people to be able to draft, and we want people to go as fast as they possibly can in a safe manner and make it a competitive race still. Uh, so they put up safer barriers that absorb like like crazy. Uh, they put the Hans devices on the, the, the drivers. They continued to change the car, the roll cage, uh, to make sure they kept the force down, uh, that the car would do some collapsing before it actually impacted the body, so it absorbed some of the energy of the accident. So that's what NASCAR did, and they did it right. You know, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. Uh, I, there's a school down in Louisiana that's using this new helmet, uh, and the helmet t- uh, measures the the force, and this school is paying 15k a year uh, for this technology, but the, but that measures the force uh, of the impact, so they know when a guy is on edge or got dinged. Uh, I think it's the language that the old school football players used uh, when they got a concussion, so that they they can tell up front and and protect the player immediately. Uh, because I don't think it's the first hit that hurts the player. I think it's when they go back out on the field after they got dinged. They're a little woozy, and they do it again, uh, you know, because they're, they're not at 100%. And we all know injuries in NFL happen when a player not at 100% goes out there and tries to do something at half speed or half capability, and then they really get lit up. Uh, I think it's the second and third hit while they're still injured that really puts them in, puts them in harm's way. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's been said a million times, like, the game is going to eventually turn into something that's unwatchable. And what's going to happen is once the game becomes unwatchable and ratings suffer and merchandise sales suffer, then what will happen is then the NFL will say, oh, shit, something's changed when we were making $84 billion and now we're only making $8 billion. We need to start changing some of these rules again, and you'll see football as we love it come back. Um, did you happen to see the uh, the lawsuit settlement this week that the players agreed to uh, in yeah, relation I, to this? Yeah, I think I heard something about is it seven hundred sixty five million? Yeah, so it's it's a seven hundred sixty five million dollar settlement with thousands of former players um, who sued the league, and what they're saying is that the league hid uh, the dangers of brain injury, which, I mean, you've got to be pretty fucking stupid to realize, to not realize that I'm going to run at full speed and put my head down and hit it and hit another guy running at full speed directly at me with his head down. And it's not going to cause some sort of problem. But the thing that I, I guess that I like about this lawsuit is the way that they're setting it up is they're not just taking the $765 million and saying, you know, each player that, that sued them gets X amount of money and they're not just divvying it up that way. What they're doing is it's kind of a tiered type thing. So once you retire, if you suffer from dementia, that's worth $4 million. If this happens, I don't know, like, uh, who is it? Is it Dave Dewerson? Yeah. yeah. Dave Dewerson from the bears who ended up uh, killing himself and leaving the note. You know, if, if, if it leads to some, something where you kill yourself, you know, it's, it's a suicide issue, then that's worth X amount of money. If you get Parkinson's disease from this, it's worth $3 million. So they're divvying it up based on the severity of the injury that you suffered after you retired from the NFL. And I like that sounds a lot better than what I was hearing earlier when the uh, initial rumor came out that they're uh, waiting on the Philadelphia judge to approve it. Because at first I thought every player – because uh, there's 4,500 plus players, so doing the math, it was 170 grand a piece. And uh, I'm like, 170 grand isn't enough to take care of some of these individuals with Parkinson's or Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, after, you know, that's that just medical bills alone, and then you take in the the strife and trauma. Another thing I wish they would consider, and maybe they did, was the what the player made at the time. Because you got to understand, in the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, these players weren't paid the contracts they're paid today. Uh, and league minimum was, was almost a joke. And that's why we saw that early 80s contract uh, or the lockout occur as, as around player pay and player benefits. 
I mean, I hope they take that into consideration as well uh, because some of the players that signed up, and I think, you know, we want to blame them and say, hey, you signed up for this, you know, just because you were asked, uh, not necessarily showing signs of anything because everybody reacts to it a little bit differently. Uh, and people want to use them as a, as a villain at this point in time. But the fact is, is that's what made the lawsuit good. Uh, you know, that there were so many people that were reporting issues. And then on top of that, the NFL did the same thing that the cigarette companies did is they hid the fact that they knew uh, about, you know, the trauma that cigarettes can do to people and also the NFL, what, what concussions do. Yeah. And I guess the other, and I'm going to say cool thing. I don't know how cool it is based on the, the situation, but what they're doing is they're doing a baseline medical examination on all current players so that when these players retire, they can look on here was what the baseline medical exam is. And here's where these players are at now uh, from a current status perspective. And they can really determine whether or not these injuries or playing in the NFL is what caused this to happen. So <clears throat> what they're doing is they're going to create a, uh, a fund that can never dip below $50 million. And that is the money that they're going to use to pay out to these players. Um, and supposedly this fund in, in this lawsuit is it's built in that this is a 60 year thing. So for the next 60 years, this is going to be in place. It can never dip below $50 million, and these players will be taken care of in the future. Now, like I said before, the the situation with currently retired players is going to be that based on the severity of the illness that they have now is how they're going to be paid out, but players in the future will be the same. But now, because they're doing a baseline medical examination on everybody, they'll have statistics and information to base all of this on, uh, which I think is, is pretty extraordinary. Very good. Hey, I've got Hollywood. Uh, looks like he's ringing in. We also have another caller. Uh, and then I just sent you a text I need you to read because I'm not going to be on the air for a minute. All right. So bring the call. Caller, are you on the air? Caller, you're on the air. Hello? Hello. Hello. Hollywood, is that you? Who's Hollywood? Gov, drop it. Apparently somebody was at the club twerking a little too much and decided to call into the show. Um, can you bring Hollywood Boys. in for me? Boys, 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 boys. Hey. What's First up, of all, hey, uh, read your read your phone. <laughs> Secondly, I invited a few people to join the show tonight to get a little taste of of uh, sports our way. So I apologize. We're not twerking it. Don't worry. Just a couple guys that wanted to kind of get a piece of the action and hear what we're all about. And it does not surprise me that you're with a bunch of dudes and you're all getting a little piece of the action. So hey, uh. Hollywood, it's hey, I learned right now from you, my friend. I, I don't know if you read, but uh, Governor had to step away because apparently he has a bat in his house right now. Yeah, I, you know, I get that he lives in the sticks of Wisconsin, but how the fuck do you get a bat in your house? I mean, it had to, it, it had to have come down the fireplace or something somehow, I'm assuming. Like, I'm not really sure how – like, what would, like right now I'm sitting in my house. I'm back in the office. And if a bat flew into my fucking room, I'd crawl under the desk because I wouldn't know what the fuck it was and why it was in my house. Yeah, it takes you a minute, I think, to identify that it's a bat and not a bird. You know what I mean? So, eh, first of all, I think it's great that you are willing to admit that you would crawl under your desk if a bat flew into your house. But but more importantly, as it, hot as it is, and I'm in Minnesota right now for our listeners, as hot as it is out here, I can only imagine it's at least equally as hot in Wisconsin, so the air conditioning should be running. The windows should not be open. And I would doubt that uh, that Baby Baines has got a door propped open playing out on the back patio. 
No, absolutely not, dude. That's what I'm saying. It had to have come in dur- in, in the fireplace. Hey, so uh, all right. Well, I got you on the phone, dude. So <clears throat> we got college football starting today. A week from today, we've got the NFL season starting up, kicking off. So I'm I'm going to assume that you're excited about today because we got football, but you're more excited about next Thursday. Well, tell me about, I'm tell absolutely me about how more excited. Yeah, dude, tell me tell me about next Thursday and how great it's going to be to go have a great dinner at a good restaurant and then we're going to go and drink some beer and watch fucking NFL football kick off next Thursday night. Well, I love that you're plugging your own rehearsal dinner as the greatest night of my life, and I appreciate that. But it is absolutely going to be a no blast. No problem, though. Um, I, I got to back up a minute, though, because you guys were talking about some things around the injury protection stuff for offensive players. And I got to throw in a couple things. You made a comment about how you like how the league is setting up to be in a situation where this injury is going to be valued at this amount of money and that injury is going to be valued at the next amount of money, and so on and so forth. And I, I got to tell you, brother, I got a serious fucking problem with that statement. How do you put a price on an injury? So I think what it is, so if I if I have a head injury, right, and my head injury leads to occasional seizures, but they're not life-threatening, or... I develop dementia where I have no fucking idea what's going on around me, and I think I'm skipping through a cornfield on a yellow brick road with a chick wearing a plaid white and blue dress. Like, those are two very distinctively different injuries that should be treated very differently. You know, if my injury is that every once in a while I get migraine headaches once every two or three weeks, or I develop Parkinson's disease. The guy with Parkinson's should probably get more money than the guy that just gets a migraine every once in a while. But here's my problem with that. So let's say you and I are NFL running backs. Let's say you and I go through our careers, we retire, and three years after retirement, I'm diagnosed with disease X, okay? And I get paid out, whatever, and... Five years after you retire, you're diagnosed with the same disease. And let's just say, and and obviously you get paid out the same amount as I did because we both were diagnosed with disease X. How do you quantify if I die from the disease, whatever the, the disease is, but you live to be, you know, 15 years, 20 years after the disease is diagnosed, is that justifiably considered com- compensation for said disease? Like, for instance, and then let's shift it to non-life-threatening. Let's say I blow out my knee, you blow out your knee, and my name's Adrian Peterson, and I'm a fucking machine, and I'm back on the field in nine months kicking everybody's ass. And you are Trent Green from from the concept of you never play another football game for the rest of your life. If we both get paid out the same amount of money, how is that fair? So I think I think based on you know medical knowledge that if we both have disease X and we both have migraine issues, you're not going to die from a migraine, and I'm probably not going to die from a migraine either. But if we both have dementia, we're going to suffer from similar symptoms. Or if we both have Parkinson's, we're going to suffer from similar symptoms, and it's probably going to kill both of us within some point in time. So... I think that's where it comes into play is these different diseases, whether they be disease X, Y, or Z, there's medical data to back up the fact that these are the symptoms you're going to suffer. Suffer. Here's your expected time frame that you're going to live, depending on what it is, based on what the situation is. And that's how they're doing it is it's very medically based off stats that they have based on these injuries. Because the alternative is, 
is they just take this money and they just pay it out to people based on tenure in the league or, um, you know, somehow figure out the status of the player, which is bullshit. Um, you know, so it's different because if they do it based on the status of the player, you're going to have quarterbacks getting more money than the running back or inside linebacker that took more hits. So I think this is the only way that they can do it and it'd be fair and this money be allocated in the proper way. And, you know, as far as like the blowing out your knee scenario with Green and, and Peterson, you know, if you blow out your knee, you probably shouldn't be playing sports that you're not that good at, like basketball, and you should stick to swimming, cycling, and fucking running. And things like that won't happen. <laughs> you can fuck right off. Hey, can you do me a favor? We have a caller currently on the line. Can you bring Wouldn't him in? no comment. We may have lost him. Yeah, I think we must have. No, he, no he's dude, still I like that they did the clause or how they set it up. They set it up structured in a very, very clean manner. Uh, you know, Hollywood, I understand what you're trying to trying to say. How do you How do you say this is fair compensation? But the fact is... They could have fought it. It would have been less, especially with a lot of the uh, the compensation clauses out there, uh, or the I forget what they call it, but it's basically it's litigation reform, which would prevent uh, people from getting massive punitive uh, damages from either the hospital, the NFL, or whatnot. Uh, so this gives a nice firm uh, understanding of here's the diseases. Each one has a differing cost. Uh, and obviously change to the family uh, dynamic. So here's what each one is is worth based on how many people were in the lawsuit uh, and the the symptoms and diseases that were also part of it. Uh, so I, I like how they structured it. It's a very, very fair way to do it. Yeah, so last thing, bro, we've ran an hour. We thought this shit was only going to be 20 minutes. Uh, we're talking hey. about NFL. Next Thursday, first game, kickoff of the NFL season. Any games you like from a gambling perspective that uh, that you're putting your money on at this point? Games, uh, lines? To be honest with you, haven't looked. I mean, we've talked about lines, uh, but haven't looked that deeply at it. Usually I get into a, a build a spreadsheet, look at, look at things that happened last year, look at rule impact, pull up some cybermetrics to figure out, uh, you know, over-unders because – Week one of NFL is the same thing for me like uh, week one of college. You have to be cautious on how you bet and follow the trend that weekend. Uh, you can't look at Thursday's single game, the the Denver-Baltimore game. We'll have money on it because we'll be hanging out together. Uh, you know, so we wanna, we wanna, we'll choose a side. Uh, but when it comes down to uh, Sunday's games is where you actually start lacing up, and I'll, I'll do the same structure. I'll, I'll bet two or three teams, maybe maybe set up a couple parlays for the early games, and then I'll do the same thing with the later games. All right, so before we go into the closing, Hollywood's telling us we got a caller, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring the caller on that has this question that's apparently earth-shattering. And if it sounds like they're in a fucking rave twirling glow sticks or in a fucking disco, I want you to dump the call immediately. Gotcha. Caller, you're on the air of Sports Our Way. Hey guys, how you doing? So I, I got doing a couple well of things that I wanted to I wanted to point out real quick. One, you talked about an issue with like an Adrian Peterson versus another player, right? And somebody comes back and they're a rock star and someone's not. Like that, that that's not a sports problem. That's an NFL problem. Who's paying for Sean Livingston's knee right now? Who played for Jared Jeffries' knee when his knees went bad when he came out of college? and he was supposed to be a phenom, like, this is exclusively an NFL problem, and it's absolutely capsized by the fact that the NFL just paid, what, $300 million to players with concussions, and now we're offering offensive players, specifically offensive player rules, to protect them more. That's simply a scapegoat to make sure that they're not going to be charged future or be held accountable future to the impact on their players. Like, that is exclusive to the NFL, nobody else. So you don't see that happening in the NBA. No one's coming out of the NBA with busted-ass knees, which plenty of players have had and plenty of careers have ended. Um, that that doesn't happen. And playing in the NFL, like at the end of the day, we all love sports. That's a choice. Yeah, so, I mean, I, what do you propose? So, like, it's something where it's built into the contract where it states, you know, hey, you're coming to play in a league and play a game. It's a very high-impact league there's the potential that these things can happen 
but we're going to pay you $8 million a year for the next four years with these incentives, and when you accept this contract, you're accepting these other things, including health issues that could come along with it. Do you think that's a better strategy for the NFL to follow? Uh, you know, honestly, certainly, and here's why. You talk to any Hall of Fame player, talk to any other football player that played prior to any of this happening, and you tell them, ask them if they would have changed their career in any way. Like, they knew what they were signing up for. There was no facade. Like, they didn't just, like, walk onto a football field in the NFL and went, oh, this happens? I get hit by a really big fucking guy? No, they knew that their entire life going through the sport and playing it, but it was about the sport and the passion. And if you think $8 million a year isn't enough compensation for them to play a game that they love and they've grown up loving, I think that's a little ridiculous. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't compensate anybody in any other line of work anywhere for the type of work hazards that happen outside of, you know, chemicals and biohazardous shit that nobody knows until after it's way too late. But th- this is an absolute choice. They've grown up their whole lives playing this game and have decided that they want to do this profession. And I, I don't see why they should be paid out any differently. Um, or maybe they should be, have to sign up for a way to manage their money. Maybe they should be given a class on how to manage all the millions of dollars that they're making so they can take care of themselves after they're out of the NFL. Yeah, but don't you agree with this particular lawsuit was the foundation was the NFL's doctors and the NFL withheld information from the players regarding getting them back out onto the field uh, versus doing what was medically sure appropriate and holding them back. So this particular yeah, that's a little bit different. that way, and that's why the caps are in there. You know, but, you know, yeah, if Adrian, Adrian Peterson a little blows his knee out, yeah, if Adrian Peterson blows his knee out, he's been paid, and he knew that was a risk of playing the game. Yep. Withholding information I find to be completely different, right? That's the case in any other business. Um, you, you don't withhold information, and you do what's right in the moment. And certainly the option that you suggested is, like, hey, you're signing a contract knowing these things could happen, but understand that we are going to make sure that our doctors – medically diagnose you and only release you when we know that it's going to be okay and you are subject to the doctor's ultimate discretion not a trainer not a coach not your peers not yourself it's the doctor end of story and you have to sign on the dotted line and you're done yeah and i I think a lot a lot of this right now so we're dealing with older players that have retired and have been out of the league for a while and I, i really think what has accelerated this is the fact that what happened with Junior Seau. So before Junior Seau, there wasn't a lot of Pro Bowl caliber players uh, that had a lot of issues with this stuff. I mean, the people that you heard about, you know, the Dave Duersons of Chicago, uh, Jim McMahon, you know, is fucking half retarded now because of the hits that he took. But Junior Seau was the first one that was a big name in this league that killed himself. And this is this is when all of this, accelerated so right now this lawsuit is based on the fact that in the past in the history of the game the injuries to the head were hidden from the players so you talk to a lot of those guys like you talked about you talk to hall of fame players and they'd say they wouldn't change anything about the way they played the game but you also talk to a lot of hall of fame players and they'd probably tell you that they've been hitting games before and they remember the impact and they remember being on the sideline and they probably had a coach walk up to him and say, Jack Lambert, you ready to go back in brother? We need you out there. And they stumbled their ass back out on the field. And like governor said earlier, it wasn't the first time they got hit that probably caused a shit ton of damage. It was when they went back on the field and they were hit two, three, four, five more times in a violent manner that caused the problems. And you don't see that a lot right now in the NFL, so I don't think this is going to be a problem going forward because when a player takes a big hit, it's monitored on the sidelines, with the exception of James Harrison leveled out some fucking quarterback a couple of years ago pretty brutally that went back into the game and said he doesn't remember playing the entire fourth quarter. And I can't remember the quarterback's name, but I remember it was James Harrison. Uh, well, and I think like that's a good point to remember. Like, at the end of the day, yeah, you don't the, root cause, the root cause is not football. The root cause is a decision that people other than the players have made. That's where the problem lies. Yeah, I dude, I, I agree with you completely. 
Uh, I, I complete I, – we, we all on the show believe that the game's being watered down. Uh, it, it's bullshit. The game's turning into something that we're not going to want to watch. Uh, we're not going to buy jerseys when we stop watching the game. We're not going to gamble on the games, which is kind of a stretch because we're degenerate gamblers. But there's a chance we may not gamble on some games. Uh, and a lot of it comes down to it's becoming – Unwatchable. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's becoming unwatchable because we're all still going to tune in and Monday Night Football is still going to be the highest rated show on the Nielsen ratings every week. Uh, but it's becoming something where viewership is going to decrease. And all of it is due to the fact that the NFL is being overly sensitive about injury to players. When the reality is all of this shit happened in the past because there wasn't advanced medical personnel on the sidelines to keep these guys from walking back out on the field. So they were taking these hits, and they were going back out on the field and taking more hits. So, I mean, to me, if they if they released all of the rules that have come around in the past three to five years and just kept the medical personnel on the sidelines to tell players, no, you're not going back out there, this problem would fix itself. Hey, yep. man, I appreciate you calling in. We're, yeah, I appreciate you calling in. Uh, we're going to move on and close out this the show. So, uh, anytime, uh, good, call back in, man. Good talk. Thank you. Yeah, man. Phenomenal call. All right. All right. Yeah, that was in stereo. Two of us saying at the same time. It is, uh, it is 10 after 10 here in, uh, beautiful Indiana. And, uh, we've been on for an hour and 10 minutes ago. We thought this would be a 20 minute show. And, uh, I think we, uh, we uh, happened to pull this off with a, the two-man show, the dynamic duo. So thanks for jumping on tonight. Uh, any last thoughts before we go? Uh, my only last thoughts are if you don't have a, a betting account, uh, you can still bet while living in the United States. Just do it as an offshore bet. Or if you want to head on out to Las Vegas, Southwest just upped their uh, trip charge. Uh, it was run about 160 bucks from uh, Chicago. Now it's about $300. So, uh, it's still a good time. Uh, if you're not opening weekend of football in Las Vegas is a, about the best time you can get uh, out there. Uh, the sports book is phenomenal. Uh, lay a little, lay a little cash on the on the games. You'll you'll enjoy them even more. Uh, and if, if you don't enjoy them, you'll bet again to make up that money. Yeah, and uh, for me, if if you're somebody that spends a lot of time swimming in water and running for no fucking apparent reason at all. Don't go play basketball and don't go play real sports because there's a chance you may end up getting hurt. In the words of our great friend, our great friend, Mr. Chaos, we're out, bitches. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to us in a language that everybody here can easily understand. This is going to be one fucked up podcast. And we've got players now coming up limp. AP in football. This is the guy who's broken down. You don't know the power of the dark side. I believe in karma, man. Seriously? You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? Oh, Rondo just got ejected. Seriously? I'm talking about the the, the pre-intercourse. There's still maybe some titties. What we've got here is failure to communicate. That was a freak day. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.